0: It's Tracy, and I am back again with super producer Alex for another fun-filled episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Alex, how are you?
1: I'm getting a wee bit of a headache.
0: What? From what?
1: I'm pretty sure I'm just dehydrated. I was out running with the dog earlier and now oh. I'm a little totally cooked and definitely kind of warm. Uh, but I'm here with you. I'm glad to be here with you. Thanks for having me on board, Miss Tracy.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you what know, we Alex... Today? Well, you know, back a few episodes ago, I promised our audience that I would interview someone who knew about the Uvalde school shooter.
1: And you lied, didn't you? You just lied. I did not again. lie. Like I did not just lie. lie. You're nope. just a lying liar. Nope.
0: I found him. I found him. And you find? uh Active shooter expert, Carol Cambridge. Okay. Yes. And she is going to tell us exactly what went on. She's got some official reporting from the... Texas legislator, Mm -hmm. and about exactly what happened at the shooting. She has the details of why things happened how they did, how many officers were there, why complacency was created, how miscommunication just led things to go all wrong did you know just for one thing did you know that some of their behavior some of the police behavior because they didn't like go into that classroom where the shooter was they kind of stood outside
1: for about an hour yeah, yeah they stood outside for about an hour uh,
0: the somehow they got word that the whole situation was classified as a standoff rather than active shooter which is a whole different deal and that is just one piece of why this whole thing unfolded so
1: poorly well there was not in my understanding is there was no actual incident commander on scene uh
0: the incident commander thought that they were not the incident commander yes that is another piece
1: what was that guy's name arredondo i think
0: arredondo yes right Mm -hmm. and he has been
1: since terminated and has now sued the city uh so he can dispute his termination because he doesn't think he deserves to be fired despite the fact that he has been fired
0: Right. Well, here's the deal. But That's
1: a different story. So he is the guy that technically should have been the incident commander on scene. And he didn't realize it. Apparently that was his comment.
0: Well, exactly. And Carol has dug deep into this thing and she is going to expose all of it. So you don't have to read this big, long report. She's got it all. And she's going to help us figure out what to do if you end up in the middle of a situation like that.
1: Now, just clear one thing up for mm-hmm. me before we go and listen to active shooter expert, Carol Cambridge, which mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear from. Yeah,
0: she is awesome.
1: Uh, how is it pronounced? Is it Uvalde or Uvald or Uvalde or you, you Uvalde or it's, it's U, I think
0: it's Uvalde. Uvalde okay. or Uvalde. Something like that.
1: Because, I mean, it's, it clearly has Latino influence. Totally. But it's, it's Texas.
0: Maybe it's Uvalde.
1: And in Texas, you I mean, you guys, what do you guys say down in Houston? Houston?
0: No, nobody says that. They say that in New York City.
1: Well, no, but there's one street that's like Houston Street.
0: That is in New York City. It's Houston Street.
1: Okay. See, I mean, all these anything that's Texas is just weird. So that's why I ask. Oh
0: my god. So. (laughs) Okay, we'll call you Valdi. How about that? That sounds good to me. That works good. Carol's gonna fill us in. This is something like really you don't want to miss. It is jaw dropping. The whole thing. So let's go
1: listen to Carol. Let's
0: go listen to Carol. We're out. It's Tracy, and I am back with another interview here on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I am super excited because I have our friend Carol Cambridge. She's a good friend of the show, and uh, she is uh, not only a keynote speaker. Well, I mean, she is a keynote speaker, but um, uh, active shooter expert, and uh, I've, I've heard her talk. It was It's riveting, and she's been on the show before, and I promised, Carol, I promised our listeners that I would get somebody who knew something about Uvalde and uh what went on there with the shooting in the school and it turns out hey it's you cuz you know the inside on a lot of things
2: so um welcome to the show thank you so much Tracy i really appreciate you having me back and uh you know as I, as i mentioned to you before I don't speak or do training in schools, Mm -hmm. but I do pay attention when there's a school shooting because there's a lot that we can learn, a lot that I take back into corporate America, uh, lessons learned from the failures. And I think it's a really important topic. So when you approached me with this, I thought, yeah, I can do this. And I took a look at um, uh, the Texas House Committee, put a 77-page report together. And it's just a horrible portrayal of events. And so I wanted to share a little bit of that with you today. I think your listeners will be interested.
0: Yes, let's do that. Because, okay, so I didn't even know there was a report. That's why we're talking to you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Carol, what's in the report? Well, (laughs) a lot of different things. I'm going to talk about three things today. And, And the first one is the leadership fail, because I think this This is of interest to any president, CEO, vice president of. Any company, small or large, Mm. across North America. So there was a lot of leadership fails, obviously, in Uvalde. Uh, Even if you're not an expert on this topic, just by watching what occurred on TV, you can see that it was a leadership fail. So there was some really outrageous, poor decision making, Mm -hmm. obviously, in this. And the number one biggest failure was obvious to everyone it was to quickly subdue the shooter. That didn't occur. yeah now
0: let's talk about that okay because this guy drove around he crashed his car into a ditch and didn't he shoot a little bit outside the school and then he went in the school and then he he took over a classroom and the police just stood there outside what were they doing were they wishing something to happen like what carol what on (sighs) earth went on
2: it, it, it's almost embarrassing. It's embarrassing to talk about. There was a total absence of leadership and effective communication. So there's a lot of blame that obviously goes on to the police chief. So the But what a lot of people don't understand is the police chief, um, Pete, or I can never say his name correctly, so I apologize right off the bat, Pete Arredondo. Okay. He was the chief of a six officer department. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize that he was with the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District, and he was the police chief. So he stated when he first got in there that he wasn't getting information from dispatch, for instance, regarding the children calling 911. Well, he was on the scene without a radio. (laughs) So how was he supposed to? The other officers first on the scene um, there was a lot of chaos and a lot of confusion Sure. and the radios didn't work very well. And I'll come back and address that in a little bit, but here's, here's the big thing. He made some poor decision-making because at some point he decided to call it a standoff. When you call something like that, a standoff, the response to a standoff is very different, um, than an active shooter. He didn't have the information he should have had to have made that call. At least in my book he didn't.
0: Okay, so okay, so what information would you need? Because a standoff is where someone is barricaded in in there and they're threatening right. Right. An active shooter is actually shooting. Is that the difference or what is, because you're really good on the technical parts of this.
2: Yeah. Basically that is the difference. There was, he had heard shots. They'd heard shots fired. They had gotten the call responded. And then things went quiet Uh, because he wasn't getting play by play from dispatch. Uh If he had been getting that information, he might've made a different choice. The other sort of big problem with this whole thing is that lack of urgency that we all saw, you know, we expect and anticipate people to arrive on scene and immediately boom, they're headed right in there. They're going to take, take this shooter down. Uh So he made a mistake by calling a standoff. He didn't have the proper information because the radios weren't working. So there was that there was also a lack of uh, someone being in charge. So, The chief actually told the Texas Tribune that he didn't consider himself to be the incident commander after he was one of the first to arrive. He said he assumed another officer would fill that role. Now, when the House committee got together and looked at this, they just weren't going to accept that argument. It actually turned it around and it cited the school district's active shooter response plan was actually co-authored by Oradondo himself, which states right in the policy that the chief will become the person in control of the efforts of all law enforcement and first responders on the scene. Hmm. So let me explain a little bit about why this was such an uncoordinated offense. There was, and, and this surprised me, I didn't actually know the numbers until I read the report. Okay. There was 376 law enforcement officers on scene. Really? 300? 376. They came from numerous law enforcement agencies. Um. And many of them were way better trained and equipped, but no one took charge. When there was this lack of communication from the inside of the school to those outside, there was just this complete lack of communication and somebody could have stood up. So here's how it broke down. 149 law enforcement were U.S. Border Patrol. Hmm. 91 were state police. 25 were Uvalde police officers. Mm -hmm. 16 were sheriff's deputies. Five were the Arundondo School Police, mm-hmm. and ninety were neighboring county law enforcement. So, U.S. Marshals, federal drug enforcement agents—they called in the troops. Yeah, to a total of three hundred and seventy-six, and no one took the lead. So,
0: no if no one's in charge, that's what you get when no one's in charge. It's just people standing around.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and after a period of time, when you know, this total lack of leadership continued over a period of time. Mm -hmm. A lot of those officers on the outside were very concerned. Uh, You know, they know there's a certain protocol, but some of them got extremely upset. They don't know what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, um, in this report, it said that border agents decided that they would breach the classroom without permission from Aaron Dondo, who was really the incident commander, was Mm. supposed to have had that role as the incident Mm. commander. So that's how the team got in and actually killed the gunman at 1251
0: that day. It took them like an hour to decide
2: that or so, didn't it? Yeah, it was 76 minutes from the beginning. So an hour Uh, and 15 minutes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow, Carol. I know. It's so frustrating for me to look at this and to see it. But I want to read you a little something from the report. Then when officers were driven back by gunfire just after entering the school, Mm -hmm. Valdi Police Department Lieutenant Javier Martinez, Martinez attempted to confront the shooter again. He advanced up the hallway in an evident desire to maintain momentum and stop the killing. Here's what's scary. No officers followed him what are you serious they
0: well okay so 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 you have one guy who's taken this into his own hands and everybody else were the okay so let let's talk about all possibilities were they trying to not be insubordinate
2: or were they scared what do you think uh, it probably a combination mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably a combination of both of those would be my guess and okay. i am only guessing at that okay now you know, according to this report, several law enforcement officers told this House committee that they believed if others had have followed him, he might have made it to the classroom and engaged. But that's all hindsight. Huh. So, well, OK, so let's talk about that.
0: If so, if you're the leader, why do you need? I mean, because I, I don't know tactical police stuff. Right. So why would why would someone following you? cause an engagement uh, like what is it just backup or what
2: what's the deal there well again I wish I could get in their heads because Mm -hmm. I don't honestly know the answer to that Mm -hmm. Um, the number one goal is to get on scene and to take out the shooter that's the only goal in Mm -hmm. an active shooter situation what I can tell you is that there is a real discrepancy over the amount of training and the quality of the training that law enforcement is getting across the country. Yeah. Some are <laughs> extremely well trained. Uh we have a problem whenever we have multiple units like that. Do they have a frequency where they can all speak to each other? Yeah. Um uh, so there's a lot of questions that that go into this and I don't particularly know the answer. Um I sat on an airplane headed to Sacramento last year and got into a conversation with the gentleman beside me. He had since retired, but he was in charge of active shooter, active shooter training for a large police department in California. Okay. And I said to him, what is the biggest issue or problem that you have in training? and he knew what i did we had mm. talked about that ahead of time so mm-hmm. he felt comfortable in sharing and he said when we do the scenarios they respond the way that they should but my biggest issue and my biggest fear is that when they were when they are in an actual active shooter scene that they will respond the way they've been trained and not freeze it's a. It, we assume that all law enforcement will jump in. Mm-hmm. But until we are in that crisis situation, we actually don't know. I tell audiences all the time, whether I'm at a corporation or I'm speaking at a conference, we think we know how we're going to respond, but we really don't. And that was his biggest fear. And he told me, he said, I have had situations where my very well-trained men, some of them respond properly and others back off. I don't know whether it's out of fear. I don't know whether it's the fear kicks in and all they think about is um, their family. Mm-hmm. Remember the, the school shooting? Um, the one in know, Florida? I, I just they, thought
0: about that. The yes. That one
2: guy ran. That one guy. And there was one quick interview on TV that I captured. Mm-hmm. And he he was asked specifically, what in that second changed your mind? What, what made you retreat as opposed to go forward? Yeah. And he said all of a sudden fear took over and all I could think about was my fiance and my kids. And if I knew I went in I would die. Wow. Well, you know what? I mean It was honest. That
0: it is. It, high five for honesty, but that's not the job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Exactly. Now, is there any, like, I don't know, testing for someone's aptitude and something like that? There c-
2: Certainly there is. I don't know. I don't know. The, <laughs> I just don't know the <laughs> answer to that. Uh-huh. I mean, there is a lot, you know, for SWAT uh, teams in law enforcement and so on. Yes, there is definitely psychological testing, mm-hmm, et cetera, mm-hmm. that you go through. But again, until you are in that situation, uh, we just don't know. We just don't know. But you know, I, I look at these situations and I, I try to transfer it to, to corporations. Yeah. And, you know, 50% of my work is in conferences and 50% I go into companies mm-hmm. and I do active shooter training, surviving an active shooter. Yeah. Is and, what and I, teach. I must
0: say your keynote when I think uh, I said it before is absolutely it is one of the most riveting keynotes I've ever seen, just because of the way you ramp people up into this exercise that of this, and you give people Nerf guns, and you've, you've prepped them beforehand. I mean, it is an experience. It is the Carol Cambridge experience <laughs> that is not to be missed these days, because-, because since Uvalde, there's been four or five other shootings, like grocery store stuff and all sorts of things. So anyway,
2: exactly. Um, it, it's experiential for a reason, because mm-hmm. most people don't respond in that experience the way they mm-hmm. think they do. Mm-hmm. They would argue with me left, right and center if we were having a conversation. But when I put them into that and I and I can't make it super scary. Some people will come to me after the drill and say, oh, Carol, if you had done this or this or this, it would have been more realistic. And I say, yeah, it might've been more realistic, but my job is not here to terrify every attendee. I don't know, Carol. I'm telling you, we were at the back. We were nervous because I was sitting back there. I'll tell you where we were. We
0: were down in in Orlando or Miami or something. And I was, I had spoken and I was sitting at the back with the CEO of the whole thing. And we were both, we were looking at each other and we were
2: nervous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it it's intended to raise that heart rate just yeah. a little bit and make yeah. you a little bit nervous because if you if we don't get you a little bit nervous it won't be realistic right. in terms of your response to mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. everybody thinks oh no I would just automatically hide or I would automatically run we don't know what we're going to do until we get into that situation mm-hmm and some people are going to run towards the danger those who have been trained you know military law enforcement we certainly hope would run towards mm-hmm. but we really don't know and so what i see in in corporations is this lack of leadership when it comes to crisis management into mm-hmm. active shooter type situations very often in a smaller medium-sized company there is only one person that is actually in charge. So one person, it could be their security person, it could be their environmental health and safety person. Uh, It's a variety of different titles based on the company. But very often what I say is, if you're the only person who knows what the emergency planning or the emergency response is, Mm -hmm. what happens if you're on a day off? (laughs) What happens if you have a sick day? What happens if you're on vacation? And they don't have an answer for that. They just go, I I, I don't know. We didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. So There has to be a team in place that thinks these things through. Mm -hmm. I worked recently uh, this spring. I went back for the second time to a company. I'd been there uh, three years before to train their personnel. They'd Mm -hmm. had had such a high turnover post-COVID that they wanted to come back Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. and do more active shooter training. And I had asked her to contact the state police because that's who would respond in this particular area. And I wanted to know what the response time was. And when I asked the people in the training, they said, oh, yeah, it would probably five, six, seven minutes. State police said their response time to an active shooter would be 15 minutes.
3: Oh,
0: well, you know, I went to another program on active shooter, which you did not uh facilitate and where was i i was in um uh it was it was i want to say norfolk virginia is what i want to say anyway he had an interesting thing that he said that it was he goes look it's not about the first responders, because that's what we talk about first. He goes, those are the official res- responders. The first responder are you. You are there. You are the first responder if you are there, right? So that's, that's, that was his
2: whole shtick, which it kind of stuck with me. Oh, absolutely. People forget in actual fact how long it takes. 60% of all active shooters are over before law enforcement ever arrives. Oh, yeah. Like, how long does it take? Two minutes, maybe? Um, many of them, a huge percentage, are over in um, in two minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Let me just, I have to rack my brain here. You're stirring me in another direction. It's 69, oh, sixty-nine Okay, 69% are over in five minutes or less. Wow. 36% are over in two minutes or less. And 60% are over before police arrive now those statistics will vary a little bit every year sure but it's generally around there
3: mm-hmm. and,
2: and mm-hmm. so when I'm working with a, a, a corporation we want to make sure they have a, a a team so several people at least working mm-hmm. on their crisis response mm-hmm. we want them to have a relationship with law enforcement know what what to expect and what to anticipate Mm -hmm. so the example I shared with you where they said they were waiting for the state police this was a manufacturer and they had five buildings we were in building one okay and I said if there was an active shooter right now and we got information that the active shooter was in building five which for our listeners was up the hill and quite a distance away Mm-hmm. So everyone who would park to park in building one were at the side or the front of mm-hmm. the building. Mm-hmm. I said, so what's your protocol? And they all shouted, we'd lock down. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, okay, well, while you're locking down, I'm out these doors because my car is right around the corner. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am not going to wait. And they all had to sort of sit and think about it. Now, I said, if they were at building two, mm-hmm. which was almost adjacent, okay, I'm going to lock down. Mm-hmm. But if I can get to my vehicle and get away from there safely, I'm going to do so. Now, granted, I wouldn't have the information, is there a second shooter or anything like that? But again, Building 5 was so far away. Mm -hmm. And that was my whole point. They have to make decisions. Being locked down to wait for 15 minutes for law enforcement to arrive. When I have the opportunity in a minute or less to be out of there and in my vehicle and gone, mm-hmm. that's probably what I'm going to do.
0: Well, that's why they say, uh, and I've had other guests on the show. To and what one, um, one fella, he's like, look, I never valet my car because then I then you're stuck, you're totally stuck there. So, um, and since then, every time I valet the car, which hasn't been that much since the COVID, but I'm like, I don't know if I should valet this car. Like I did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I do it at hotels all the time. Oh, I, okay. say I do valet, but, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, every circumstance is a little bit different. And I think what happens is people want a cart blank answer. They okay. want do this, this and this, mm-hmm. and then you will live, you will be safe. There's no such thing because all of these active shooter situations are extremely fluid. It requires critical thinking. And the problem is the part of our brain that's responsible for critical thinking, even in the best of times, Mm -hmm. for some people, doesn't work very well. Now, if you're trained in this, your critical thinking is going to be smarter and better. Um, But when you're in a crisis situation, that part of your brain takes us back to all of our um, emotional memories from Mm -hmm. years ago. So anybody who has suffered from PTSD anybody who has been the victim of violence or rape or um you know, any kind of violent attack, whether it be a home invasion or to themselves personally, personally being beat up, either of those kinds of things, even somebody who has been in a very severe car accident and suffers trauma as a result of it, mm-hmm. all of those people are going to respond very differently.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: And so we just really don't know until we're there and their critical thinking skills probably aren't going to be as sharp as someone else who hasn't been down that path. Well,
0: okay. So, so let's, let's talk about the path though, because, because like by the time you're, you're, there's a shooting, um, that's kind of like too late. Right. So in, in a certain sense, because there's warning signs, Right. Because because you're not just an active shooter expert, you're actually workplace violence expert. It happens to be active shooter gets all the news these days. Right. (laughs) Right. So. So what what do we need to be looking for? What kind of history in you in in what's this leakage thing that you wanted me to ask you about? Like, tell me about that.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) schools and kids in school are actually better at this. So leakage is really about what the gunman posts on social media mm-hmm. prior to. Mm-hmm. And in almost all incidents, there is postings of some kind. It may not say that they're going to go shoot up someplace, but they start posting weird informational things. Mm-hmm. Um, they may become very fascinated with weapons. They may be fascinated with other uh, shootings or um mm-hmm a lot of different things like that. So let me, let me speak specifically to what went on uh, at the Robb elementary with the gunman there. And Mm -hmm. then we'll circle back to answer your question if I can. Yes. So the gunman, Salvador Ramos, he displayed multiple signs that he was unstable and possibly planning a violent attack, but none of these warning signs ever reached any authorities. So here's what, What's interesting and an example of leakage a year before the massacre, he had earned the nickname school shooter. What? Yeah. On social media platforms because of his violent threats that he would make against other users with few, if any friends, he had a very strained relationship with his parents. Uh, I think he actually lived with his grandmother. Um, The report Uh, that again, the House committee did, describes him as a high school dropout and a social outcast who eventually concluded that spectacular violence could bring him notoriety and fame. And that is a very common thing that we see. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want this 30 seconds of fame or three minutes of fame or whatever it is they're going to get. So the committee found when they started looking online that he had become interested in gore and violent sex sometimes sharing videos and images of suicides and beheadings His so they go in afterwards and they look at uh, their computer. So Mm -hmm. he went in and looked at the internet search histories suggested Mm -hmm. that he had actually questioned whether he himself was a sociopath. Oh, well, if you Mm -hmm. have to ask the question, you already know the answer. Yeah, probably, probably. Mm -hmm. So in real life, he was fired from two fast food jobs. He worked for a while at Whataburger and he harassed a female employee. So he was fired from there. And he also worked at a Wendy's where he would not talk to any of his coworkers except on one occasion when he attempted to start a conversation about guns. In his final months of life, he was determined to acquire guns. And this comes back to the signs. And this is where family needs to get involved. He had a desire to acquire these guns. So he lived with his grandmother, and he had no expenses. Mm -hmm. So whatever money he had earned, he used towards this effort. Oh, (laughs) I see. Yes. Pardon me. So while he was still 17, Mm -hmm. the shooter asked at least two people to purchase guns for him. Mm -hmm. They both refused. Instead, he focused on purchasing accessories, including a gun sight, a rifle, a sling, body armor, carrier, When he turned 18, the legal age to buy a gun in Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then, so he turns, let's see, he turned 18 on May 16th. And over the course of the next week, he spent more than $3,000 on two AR-15 rifles from an online retailer, which shipped the weapons to a Uvalde gun shop. Huh. Okay. 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 But here's where it gets even better. And this is so... (laughs) I mean, I can't even believe the series of things that went on Mm -hmm. because he had no driver's license and he didn't know how to drive. An uncle transported him to the gun store twice. His uncle said that the first time he didn't know he was going to pick up the rifle since the store is also a popular restaurant in town. And his nephew told him he was hungry, but he returned with a narrow box and no food. Wow. The (laughs) The owner of the gun store remembered him and described him to investigators as an average customer with no red flags. But other store patrons told the FBI they thought he was very nervous-looking and appeared odd and looked like one of those school shooters. Huh. The report details no attempt by any anyone who interacted with the gunman to alert authorities on his troubling behavior.
0: Hmm. Um, okay, so where's just you know friend to friend here carol where's where's the line because a lot of people do a lot of crazy things i have crazy friends not that crazy but like the (laughs) but the but the police can't like do a lot until they do something so so do they do they put them on like a watch list or something or what's the
2: what's the best like if someone's going off the rails what should we do well you know the best thing is to report it, and and the weakest link is typically family, mm-hmm. because family is going to see things probably before anybody else. Mm-hmm. But here's what happens in families: we either think, "Oh, this is a troubled son or a troubled mm-hmm. daughter," or, uh, you know, "Well, I love them; it doesn't matter what. I will protect them, etc., mm-hmm. etc." So we have to shift our thinking about that. Mm-hmm. We have to stop making it about us and the family and worrying about what this person may do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Post COVID, we have a lot more mental illness. We have a lot more emotional illness. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more and more we see these kinds of shootings on TV and Mm -hmm. we, we see it repeated over and over and over. It becomes, I hate to say this, but in a certain world, it almost becomes a little bit more acceptable. Mm-hmm. So there are copycats out there, people that have been thinking about this, planning this, uh, for up to a year in some cases. Oh, sure, yeah, it's some form or another, and so these stages vary. A lot of them purchase the weapons only in the last couple of weeks prior mm-hmm. to actually. Uh, oh wow! Shooting, mm-hmm. but here's the biggest thing: um, we have avoided many school shootings in this country because kids know to report. They know to report to their teacher or to the principal. If they've seen a gun, if they've heard somebody talking about mm-hmm. having a weapon, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we've done a pretty good job in the schools. and you know, police can be involved. The school principals get involved. They confront the kids. And there have been many, many, many stop, probably many, many more. And I don't have the statistics in front Mm -hmm. of me, but many more than have actually occurred. Where the problem is, is we don't teach our employees that in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Don't teach them, number one, what to look for, how to report it, and when they should. And so here's what happens. As human beings, we might see something at work. And we think that's kind of odd behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of strange. I'm uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that guy's got three kids and a wife. Mm -hmm. I don't want to report him because he might lose his job and I don't want to blame me. Mm -hmm. And maybe Mm -hmm. he's just having a bad day. And so there's a lot of this going on. The problem is, is one employee sees one thing that on its own isn't maybe catastrophic. A second employee or maybe a supervisor sees something else on a different shift, a different Mm -hmm. day, and this happens over and over. So we have three, four, five things that Mm -hmm. on their own don't seem like a big deal. But if everyone had reported that behavior to human resources, human resources could have been involved much earlier either gotten them some kind of psychological help Mm -hmm. or involved law enforcement, whatever the level of the threat might be, Mm -hmm. they could have interfered sooner. So we have to, it's just paramount that we have to teach our employees Mm -hmm. the difference between tattling and reporting. I wrote an article about this, about how knowing the difference between tattling and reporting can save a person's life. And I look at it as though, um, you know, if you're tattling on somebody, it's kind of like snitching or you're, you're ratting out a coworker so that you look better. Mm -hmm. They look worse, that kind of thing. You know, they've been a few minutes late for work They're They took an extra break. They're being lazy. They're not performing Mm -hmm. the job as well. That's the kind of tattling I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Reporting is expressing your fear. Over their behavior, mm-hmm. concern or discomfort about a coworker's behaviors, mm-hmm. their emotions, actions that are maybe inappropriate or harmful or threatening. Um, if you do nothing, hopefully it will never get to the point of active shooter. Mm-hmm. But I have seen in manufacturing people run over by forklifts. Oh, yeah. We see assaults in con- the construction industry all the time. It's this code of silence mentality, and we have to teach our employees not to buy into that code of silence anymore. Uh, And we have to teach families when they have a child, Mm -hmm. a teenager, or even a young man or woman that they see problems with, they need to seek help. Mm -hmm. Now, the unfortunate part is it's so difficult right now to get that psychological help. Uh, because we just don't have enough trained personnel in this country Mm -hmm. Uh, well and there's
0: still a stigma around it and you really have to work your way into the mental health system uh at least the legal system to to
2: do that so that's absolutely so you asked me about what behaviors there isn't a um an absolute set of behaviors. Mm -hmm. There's no magic number or a specific order of signs that Mm -hmm. indicate violence. It's really a complex set of behaviors. Mm -hmm. What I teach people is to be concerned about the intensity, the persistence, and the duration of the behavior. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because anybody can have a bad day and exhibit Mm -hmm. one or two of these signs. We're looking for uh, a pattern of behaviors. And when it comes to looking at an active shooter, again, it's not a perfect science, but we want to look for extreme behaviors. You know, people who are forcing their beliefs on others, spreading rumors or gossip, Mm -hmm. and and just wanting to elevate their own position. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are continually pushing the limits of acceptable conduct, they instigate fear in others. They make intimidating, uh, remarks that hurt other people, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also comes down to, do they have a uh, hate issues with authority figures, mm-hmm. like teachers, supervisors, managers, have they been bullied their whole life Yep. and they've gone to teachers or employers mm-hmm. and they, they haven't done anything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they haven't solved the problem. Uh, they they might have addiction behaviors, might, might not. Uh, I get worried about people who feel that they've been wronged and feel that they have nothing left to lose. Now, that could also be a suicidal person. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to pick up a gun right. and go in and shoot. And this mm-hmm. is the problem. We don't have a particular order or a profile Of exactly what to look for right and so that makes it very very difficult so
0: that's why we got to be just more vigilant stay away from tattling but pay attention to actually what's going on so then um just just real quick here is there anything like like one of the things that that you told me to do was you know if if i'm in a i don't know let's say a mall or a grocery store put your hand on the wall And follow that and it will always take you to like a backdoor exit. So what else can we do in these situations?
2: Right. Well, that will definitely work if you are in a mall because Mm -hmm. most people want to run oddly enough towards the sound of the gunshots because they're not sure. Most of us have Mm -hmm. never heard gunshots inside a building. Yeah. And it's going to sound different in a mall than it is inside of a warehouse. Mm -hmm. It depends on the structure uh, there's a lot of things the, 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 uh, you know, if if I use a mall as an example, people will rush out of the store as opposed to into the store. If you can go to the back of the store, most stores in the malls have a back entrance to a separate uh, walkway. Yeah. There's hallways back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So get into that hallway. You can find an exit. If you're caught and you are in, the open in the mall, again, most people will go towards the um, uh, the open area so they can try to see where that shooter is. Is mm-hmm. the shooter on the third floor or is the shooter on the first floor? Uh, you don't want to be that close because right. that's more likely where you're going to be hit. And that's where you want to get that wall beside you mm-hmm. because it will help you get to the next uh, shop Mm
3: -hmm.
2: or store that hopefully you can get in and either hide and lock down in there or get out through the back exit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, grocery stores are a little bit more difficult uh as are places of worship uh they can be extremely difficult the the lesson here is we need to pay attention to where we're going uh exit signs often as adults we can see them Mm -hmm. young kids can't necessarily see them (sighs) because they're too short. Mm -hmm. They they just can't see over like at a grocery store. They can't Uh see over those big aisles to see where the sign is. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, So knowing where the exits are, knowing whether you're closest to the front or closest to the back, Mm -hmm. uh, is there side exits? Uh, If you're in a movie theater, what do you do? I don't know. What do you do? Well, You know, again, depending where you hear the sounds, if you can Mm. get to the exit, get out the emergency exit. Mm -hmm. If you can't, you're going to have to lie down flat.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, And I don't like the idea of lying down flat in an active shooter situation. I want to be on my feet because I have more flexibility, easier to move, faster to move. Well, plus in movie, theaters, in movie theaters, there's all that sticky Coke on the floor and everything. But, you know. Well, trust me, it's going to get a lot stickier with blood. Oh, well, stuff. okay, Carol, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, you don't like some of the pictures I create. Well, I, I know a lot of people don't, but that's the reality of it. And that is one of the reasons I don't want to be on the ground. Right. But you have to understand what your choices are. Mm-hmm. Um In the um, Virginia Tech active shooter situation, Mm -hmm. a lot of kids jumped out the window on the second floor. Mm. They saved their lives because they were willing to jump out the window. Mm -hmm. Many people wouldn't even, that wouldn't be in their thought pattern. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even consider jumping out a window. Mm -hmm. Uh, So know what's around you, know what's underneath you, know what's near you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little game almost that you can play with yourself. Not one to create fear, but one to simply say, What are my options here? For instance, when I go into a restaurant, I have to sit with my back against the wall. Mm -hmm. I have to see as much of the restaurant and the entrances and exits as I possibly can. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, If I have to sit the other way around, it's like my head is on a swivel. (laughs) I'm looking around and I'm really annoying to the people that I'm sitting with. Uh uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh and that has happened on a couple occasions. We'll uh-huh. sit down, and my husband will actually say to me, "Okay, Carol, we got to switch, <laughs> <Trade> <laughs> <places>. <laughs> because it can become very annoying. Uh-huh. But situational awareness is something we really, really need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And and I, I want to take it back to just one thing. Um, I know we're kind of getting short on you know, time. Yeah, one here. thing. Let's do the one thing, and then we'll wrap her up. All right. One thing, because I think this is really important that people realize, and I did not know this until I read this report. Okay, So there was a lot of lockdowns in the Uvalde school districts, Uh and it's a result of what they call bailouts. So Uvalde is only about 50 miles from the about 50 miles east of the border of Mexico. And it sits in the intersection of a couple of major highways going to other cities. Okay. So police describe uh, a recent sort of increase in what they call bailouts. And that's when officers chase a vehicle contained uh, with suspects of undocumented immigrants. Mm -hmm. And what typically happens in these bailouts is they don't want to continue the chase. So Whoever's driving the suspect vehicle will come to a stop and then, or they'll purposely crash the vehicle into oh, something. Oh. And then they all scatter to avoid capture because oh. everybody runs a different direction and there's only one or two police cars there. Right, right. Many right. of them are going to get away. Uh huh. So these incidents have never actually caused a safety concern in a school in that area, mm-hmm. but they do spark lockdowns because. Sometimes these high speed chases they go through parking lots or mm-hmm. they go through the streets that are near the schools. Mm-hmm. So you've all these schools have responded to alerts. Get this. About 50 bailout incidents between February and May of 2022. That's like every other day. Yeah. 50 of them. Uh-huh. And here's the thing, because there's been so many of these bailout related alerts it's kind of led teachers and administrators to respond to these alerts with a little less urgency. We're not exactly sure how this may or may not have impacted uh, the Robb Elementary shooting. But they have an alert system which uses an app to notify adults in the building about lockdowns and their security protocols do not differentiate their signal doesn't differentiate between a bailout or an active shooter situation. Mm, Wow. What actually happened with this situation in Uvalde is it went from classroom to classroom where teachers were yelling that there was an active shooter. That Mm. was really how they got the information. Old school then. And there was a lot of security and situational awareness. I mean, they they leave doors open and unlocked all the time in the schools there. Uh-huh. They use blocks, wedges to prop the doors open. Sure. Why? It's hot. It wasn't even that. I thought that might be it. It was a shortage of keys. This was often done for the convenience of substitute teachers and others who lacked keys. Huh. So now Yay. maybe the locked doors may have slowed it down that shooter down just enough for the teachers to have locked down properly. Wow. But here's the, the flip side of that mm-hmm. is that law enforcement were searching for keys. They were waiting and looking for other equipment to break down the door. But as this report shows, that door was unlocked. All they had to do was turn the turn knob. The handle or do the little button thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my the- gosh. The other problem and safety issue and situational awareness is They have very patchy cell service at that school and patchy Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi. And it made it difficult for some of the teachers to actually receive the alert and to communicate. Wow. And it made it difficult for law enforcement. That Mm -hmm. was one of the problems with the radios because of the really patchy service there. Wow. So many things. And then it added up to everything that happened. Exactly. So you know, when we take this back into companies and corporations. Mm They have to get a crisis management plan together. They have to. They have to look at where are the opp- opportunities that they can secure things. Um, people piggyback all the time uh, to get into secure buildings. Oh, totally, yeah, mm-hmm. at, right. We've done it. I, how many times have you gone in a locked gated community by following the car in front of you? So many. I got on an elevator once and I ended up
0: somewhere. Where did I end up that I wasn't supposed to be? I didn't actually know that I had done it. I just got on an elevator that you're supposed to use a pass card code for. And they're like, where are you going? I was like seven, you know, and I just got off and they're like, well, d- where's your, uh,
2: I don't know, badge. I'm like, what badge? <laughs> like, I got off a badge.
3: <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> just it's pink. here. <laughs> Thankfully somebody actually asked you because most employees do not feel comfortable. Uh-huh. Because a new employees, somebody that they haven't met yet mm-hmm. and they just feel terrified. They don't want to yep. question anybody. They've, they've not been taught how they can do it mm-hmm. with integrity and feel comfortable about it. Um, I, I had one company that I was dealing with and it was an HR professional and we were talking about high risk terminations and she didn't have written protocol. And I asked her why not? She said, Well, because I'm always the one in charge of high-risk terminations. I said, But if you're on, on vacation, you're sick, mm-hmm. what would happen? And she said, Oh, I tell my managers just not to terminate that they would have to wait until I got back. I said, Well, didn't weren't you just like overseas because you had a family member who died mm-hmm. and you were gone for three weeks? Mm-hmm. Would you keep a high risk employee
0: on oh, site? for three weeks? Well, I, you know, when I was working, cause I used to work in food production management and I had a high risk um, termination and I told the owner of the company, I said, look, here's the deal. We got to do this and I'm not going to do it without someone with a gun in my office. And I'm telling you that right now. And, and if you want to do this, uh, you're on your own cause I'm not doing it with, and he got, he got me a security guy and we didn't have any trouble, but there was potential for trouble. I'm telling you that. So, um, I, exactly. felt, I felt much better. I felt supported, but it doesn't cost that much for an hour to get someone with
2: a, with a badge to come out. So, Well, it, it doesn't, but you have to understand mm-hmm. and put procedures in place because the way it is right now, we have a lot of workers who are working remotely. We have an HR mm-hmm. in location and they have multiple other locations across. Yeah, uh-huh. wow. so it is their managers that are doing the terminations So there's a lot of missed opportunities in companies and they think, well, we have a workplace violence policy or, yeah, we have procedures for active shooter. But in almost every case, I can look at what they have and point out five, ten, a dozen different issues that they could shore up a little bit better. I mean, if I gave every company I worked with a million dollars to shore up their security, the problem is still going to be with the person.
0: Oh, totally. Okay, okay, Carol. How do people get in touch with you? Because everybody needs a little Carol in their <laughs> life. How, how can people get a hold of you? Companies, associations, just individuals? What What's your contact info?
2: You are so sweet. Thank you so much. They can go to the website, which is www.thestaysafeproject.com. Thestaysafeproject.com. And you can...
0: Get a hold you, of Carol for training yeah. for your uh, training for your company, or just maybe any
2: questions that you have. So, absolutely, hmm. if you go to the contact us page, you can uh, put in a request for a free thirty minute discovery call. Mm-hmm. We can chat. If I can help you through an issue or a problem, point you the right direction. I'm happy to do so. There's no charge for that. If you just want to talk about your policy or you know what you think you need. Uh, you can certainly do that. So look at the StaySafeProject.com. Uh, we also put out articles on there all the time that you can use for your training, uh, or you can give us a call directly at 623 242 8797. You got it. Carol, thanks for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover Ups. Thank you for having me, Tracy. I so appreciate you. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you
0: subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.